All right, we're going to speak from uh, Matthew chapter 16. We're going to begin in verse 13. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And uh, I'm just going to kind of walk, walk my way through this. Um, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So you have to understand this place, that you had a temple of Augustus. You're going to see this in here in just a minute. You had the temple of Pan. You had the mouth of hell, the cave was called. It was the den of iniquity. This was the symbol of evil right here. He brought them to a very evil place. There was temple prostitution going on. He brought them to pagan temples. It was, it was not a good place that he brought them to. It's very interesting. And it's an illustrative message. In this evil, he asked them, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do you say that I am? Or in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. The same thing can be asked to us today. Who do you say Jesus is when it comes to giving? Who do you say Jesus is when it comes to serving? Who do you say Jesus is when it comes to life? So he asked the question, in this evil, he brings them to this to this very face of evil. I'm sure the disciples are wondering, why are you bringing me here? So he brings them here and he says, who do you say that I am? Who, who does the world say that Jesus is? The Jews in his day said, he is only a carpenter's son from Nazareth and a blasphemer. The Romans said he's only a rebel leader and a menace to, to Rome. The Mormons said he was a great prophet, but one of the many of sons of God. The Buddhists said he was a great prophet, but not even the greatest prophet. The Muslims said he was one of many spiritual leaders sent from Allah. And when he returns one day, he will say it was all a lie and tell the world to kill all Christians and Jews. The Hindus said he is a spiritual leader who came to enlighten us about the gods of this world. Pilate said he is an innocent man, but certainly not the Son of God. Herod said, he is, not, he is a political tool in the hands of Rome to chastise the Jews. Well, what do modern religionists say, or religions say about him? I, want, I looked this up and I want you to hear this. Christian science says Jesus was the offspring of Mary's self-conscious communion with God. That Christ in the divine, is the divine idea of God. Mary's conception of him was spiritual. And that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God. Unity religion says Jesus is the I and man in the self and the divine idea. Reveal yourself to yourself by affirming I am the Christ. Basically, you're the Christ. Spiritualism says Christ is not the Son of God. Any just and perfect being is Christ. Nothing more than a medium of a high order, not divine except in the sense that we are all divine. Jehovah's Witness says Jesus Christ was man, nothing more and nothing less. God created him and he is dead, forever dead, not resurrected bodily. Theosophy says Christ is less an external savior than a living presence in the human spirit. In time, all men become Christ. Rosicrucianism, Rosicrucianism, I think is how you say it, says that the Son Christ is the highest initiative of the Son period, not the only begotten Son of God. Baha'ism says Jesus Christ is one of many manifestations of God, one of many messiahs. His sufferings were no more than those of other prophets. I'm almost done. 
Unitarianism says the dogma we deny is the exclusive divinity of Jesus Christ. Our birth was as divine as that, as, as that of Jesus. Modernism says a man so good his deluded followers took him to be a god. Christadelphianism says Jesus Christ is not divine. Seventh-day Adventism says in his humanity Christ partook of our sinful fallen nature. By and large, all these say the same thing, that Jesus is just one of the prophets at best. If so, then answer the following questions. Tell me why no other prophet was born of a virgin birth. Why was no other prophet teaching the scribes in the temple at the age of 12? Why did no other prophet strategically fulfill all seven feasts of Israel? Why did no other prophet interpret most of the Old Testament? Why didn't he foretell the coming of the Messiah like the prophets before him? Why was he born in a town like Micah prophesied in Bethlehem hundreds of years before he was ever born? Why did he fulfill the prophecies of Isaiah concerning the Messiah? They tell me that if you add up all the prophecies about Jesus together and you give a statistical chance of what it would be like that Jesus would fulfill, that anybody would fulfill all the prophecies from Isaiah alone. I think it was like, I can't remember the number, but it wasn't even all of them. The equivalent would be to take a silver dollar and throw it in Texas, have a gold one maybe, or paint it red, and throw it in a, in the, in a state the size of Texas with other silver dollars two feet deep you have the same chance of reaching down blindfolded and picking that one red-colored or gold-colored silver dollar in the state of Texas as you would for one man to fulfill all the prophecies from Isaiah. Yet Jesus did. It's statistically impossible, basically. Why did he rise on the third day if he's not the Son of God? Who appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus and changed him into the Apostle Paul? Who did John the Revelator see when he was on the Isle of Patmos? And the list goes on and on. To which of the prophets did the legion of demons say, Thou art the Son of the living God. Why have you come to torment us before our time? So he brings them here and he says, Who do they say that I am? In verse 14, some said that you're John the Baptist. Some said you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But then he gets to the nitty-gritty. Verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? In the face of all this evil and all the evil and the vileness that you see behind you, disciples, I know what the world's saying about me, but who do you say that I am? In the face of what we're up against in America, with the news media putting on their whatever they want to put on, with the filth coming across our television screens, with the secular colleges giving their opinions on things, we have to also answer the question, who do we say that Jesus is? He is referred to as Savior in the New Testament no less than 24 times. He is referred to in the New Testament as Lord over 600 times. Basically, what Jesus was asking the disciples, the same question He's asking you and I today. I know what the world's view is, but what do you say? I know what the world's view about living together outside of marriage says. I know what the world's view of homosexuality is. I know what the world's view about doing whatever you want is. As long as your heart is right, you can do whatever. But what do you say? What do you stand on? Where do you line up? This is something you have to know for yourself. 
And then Simon Peter gives one of the greatest answers in the entire Bible. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, Christ is, it, it means Messiah. Simon Peter, what you have to understand about this is, Simon Peter could have been stoned and killed on the spot for this. He called him the Son of the living God. That was blasphemous. He could have been stoned. He put it all on the line to say Jesus is Lord. I have a question. What do we put on the line to tell everyone that Jesus is Lord of our lives? Son of the living God, not an idol, not dead, but a God who is alive. I, you are the Son of the living God, not a dead God, but a live God. Verse 17, Jesus answers and said, Blessed are you. We talked about blessed, makarios, earlier in the day and what that means. Are you Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon the son of Jonah? For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I love this right here. He says, hey, Simon Peter, you didn't get that answer on your own. You've been talking to my Father. And my Father has revealed this to you. Where did you get your revelation of Jesus? From a parent? From a teacher? From what some pastor said? or from getting in the prayer closet and the Holy Spirit revealing to you who Jesus is. We need to get in our prayer closets and let Him reveal who He is yet again in our life. Every day to see a new aspect of Him. Every day to see a new revelation of who He is in our life. Jesus is basically saying, Simon, you've been talking to my Father. I have a question for you today. Are you praying enough to get a revelation of who Jesus is today? I don't mean prayed. you prayed enough to get a revelation of Jesus three years ago or three days ago. We need a fresh revelation of who Jesus is every single day of our life. Have you been praying enough? Have you been in the prayer closet? Have you been in the Word for Him to speak to you and say, Hey, this is me. Are you talking with the Father like Simon Peter was? Look at the revelation that took place and where it took place. In a very dark, evil place. We live in a dark, evil world. Jesus took His disciples to this pagan place of idol worship, known for its idolatry and demonic behavior. And He takes them right to the very altar of Satan, the mouth of hell, and He says, Who am I to you? Listen, we live in an evil world nowadays. Anything goes, and it's getting worse and worse. And it's almost like Jesus is taking us back to our Caesarea Philippi. And He's saying, Who do you say that I am in the midst of all this? Will you really stand up for who I am? Will you do this? It's in this place, the world center of paganistic worship, that He unveils the kingdom of God to His disciples. I love this. Why did God choose such dark places to reveal His light? I believe because the darker the night, the brighter the light. He was saying, I'm going to take you to a dark place and let you know that the light in me can shine forth. Remember, Light dispels darkness. Jesus took them to the temple of hell, literally, to reveal the vast contrast between the world's view and the Word's view. And you and I have to make choices every day with, with everything the news media pushes out, everything that we see on television, things that our kids are being taught in schools, the public opinion. What are we going to side with? What the Word of God says or what the world says? That's what Jesus is basically doing with the disciples at this point in time. Look, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So verse 18, 
He says, I also say to you, Peter, you are Peter, a rock, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, Hades, shall not prevail against it. I love this. He says, Simon Peter, your confession upon this rock, upon this rock, your confession of faith, not Peter himself, but upon your confession of faith is like this mountain. He's basically saying, as solid as this rock, this mountain is right here. He's, this is the spot. As solid as that mountain of rock right is there is as solid as your confession in Jesus. When you confess Him as Lord and believe Him in your heart, thou shalt be saved. He is saying when we make confession of Jesus in our life, we believe Him in our heart, that's as rock solid for eternity as that mountain of rock that's still standing to this day. What, a, what, an, what an illustration. What a way to bring this to life. And he basically says, look at the stability of it. Your confession in Christ is as stable as that rock. And he says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen, gates don't move. That means Christ intended for us to be on the offensive. Quit being on the defensive. We need to storm the gates of hell through prayer and intercession and take back our lost loved ones. Take back our health. Take back our healing. Take back all the promises that God has put in this book. He has said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We are the church. It's not a building. It's us. And He's given us that authority. We need to do that. So watch what He says in verse 19 in closing. He said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Keys represent access. If I have keys, I have access. He said He has given us keys to the kingdom of heaven. What is that? That is access to breakthrough. He has given us access to freedom. He's given us access to healing. He's given us access to salvation. He's given us access to deliverance. He's given us access to, for our families to be saved. He's given us access to a blessed marriage. Everything that is in the kingdom of God, He said we have the keys to that. It's ours. It's rightfully ours. The devil would try to lie to you and tell you it's not for today. You can't get it. You can't speak in tongues. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I want to tell you, if it's in this book, we have keys to the kingdom. He brought them right here and he said, I give it to you. The keys to the kingdom. You have access to it all. Hallelujah. And you access it through faith in him. Someone shout amen. Keys also represents authority. He said, you've got authority in the name of Jesus. There's no name like the name of Jesus. You have authority to stop the mouth of the enemy, Isaiah 54, 17. You have authority in the Word of God. He said, all power and authority is in me, and He gave it to us. We need to access that. He has granted access to power in His name. Then He says, and whatever you loose on earth, whatever, excuse me, He says, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Bound, to be, bind means to be bound in, to be in bonds, to knit or to tie. And loose means to break up, destroy, dissolve, loose, melt, put off. It meant whatever we permit and whatever we pro prohibit. In the Greek it means this. It was used as a, as a double notion of action in the past, but whose effects, effects still exist in the present. What does that mean? having been bound and still being bound, having been loosed and still being loose. In other words, and I'll close with this, all the actions of the Spirit-filled believer, whether positive or negative in nature, will carry with it the awesome authority of heaven itself. 
What we speak, when we speak the Word of God, carries the, the authority of heaven itself. When we pray in the name of Jesus to the Father, He said, were any two or more gathered together and agree as touching anything we shall ask, that it shall be done of my Father in heaven. That's access and that's authority. I say we take the keys He's given us through faith and we stand on the Word of God and we say, Your Word says I'm healed. Your Word says me and my whole household, we will be saved. Your Word says I'm free. Your Word says I'm delivered. Your Word says I'm, I'm out of debt. Your Word says everything in this book that I'm going to win souls, that I'm going to be a witness for you. I say we access it. He brought them right here and He said, Who do you say that I am? And he said, Jesus, he said, well, guess what? I'll give you the authority and the keys to access the kingdom. Whatever you bind is bound and whatever you loose is loose. Wow, what authority we have. Who do you say that he is? Is he healer? Is he savior? Is he deliverer? What is he for you?